Hi, welcome to Homeschool Minnesota. This is Dale Annan, and today on our podcast, we are going to talk about Homeschooling 101, how to get started off on the right foot. And our guest today is Chris Cox. Hi, Chris. Hi, Dale. How are you today? Doing well, thanks. Awesome. How are you? Well, I just am so thrilled that you were able to join us today and tell us a little bit about, um, you know, just getting started off on the right foot. We have a lot of new homeschoolers in the state of Minnesota. We have a lot of people who are considering homeschooling. And, you know, it's something that I wished I would have had when I started out because I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, um, for me too. Yeah. So give us, tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris. Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be able to, to share with new homeschoolers. I am a homeschool consultant and speaker and have volunteered and worked with Michelle for a long time. Um, I homeschooled our four kids. My husband and I did for... I guess 17 years or so. We're we're all there. Uh, yeah, was, I'm sure there's a, people who have done it even longer than that. <laughs> but, um, my husband and I we have uh, have now our kids are married and we have uh, five grandchildren and so just a different place. But I still love homeschooling and have a passion for helping homeschoolers um, just to be able to to educate their children at home and and be ex- uh, confident in doing so. And some of you who um, are familiar with Mache might recognize Chris's, at least her name, because she's the one who puts out our newsletter. That's true. I have started to volunteer with that, with Chris Hagg, and, and I do that. Yes. Yeah. And also, Chris has been a longtime speaker with the Mache conferences and other other things. She's just been a longtime volunteer for Mache. And I'm just so grateful that you took your valuable time to talk with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I like when we talked earlier, Chris, one of the things you talked about is what homeschooling really is. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that just to kind of get us started. Sure. You know, when I first started homeschooling, I was thinking I needed to to do it like the public school did. But it yeah, homeschooling right. is such a different thing than um, the public school. It's a it's um it's educating your children at home. Yes, but it's also discipleship. And um, it's it's just a lifestyle of learning uh, rather exactly. than. Yeah, rather than just, you know, starting school at a certain time and going to a certain time of the day and, and a lot of book work. It, it, we're learning all the time with our kids, and, and there's just so many things we can teach them beyond just academics. I think, um, I think I like that whole lifestyle of learning because one thing that I, you know, I'm also post-homeschooling. I homeschooled our three kids, and, and the one thing that I realized I wish I would have realized it sooner, but I realized it when my youngest was in about middle school is that I realized I can't teach them everything they ever will need to know. Amen. <laughs> I just can't. No. But I can teach they would, them yeah. love to learn and how to find the information for themselves. Yes, exactly. And and they wouldn't remember it all if we did teach it all to them. I mean, no way. <laughs> it's physically impossible, but yes, to actually help them become lifelong learners who, who love to keep learning through, all through the rest of their life. That's really the goal I think that we should have as homeschoolers. Exactly. So if that if that's our goal, then we don't, then we never fail. Amen. Right. Yep. yep. So my, um, uh, one of the things that I know that we have to really think about as homeschoolers and as beginning homeschoolers, sometimes it's really daunting to look at the Minnesota state rec- requirements and the laws that are governing homeschoolers. And yeah. so could you talk a little bit about those? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, and really, Minnesota is a great state to edu- home educate in. Yes. Our laws are not that strict, really. I mean, we have some things we need to do, but it's not overwhelming. 
And you can find the laws actually on the Mache website, uh, www.mache.org as well. So I um, yep. just wanted to reiterate that. And if you're if there's anyone listening who's not from Minnesota, hslda.org has all the laws for all the states um, throughout the U.S. Exactly. So another great option. But um, the Minnesota law, we are required to uh, inform the school district that we're home educating, but not until our kids turn age seven. So right. and then uh, only up until they reach the age of 17. And Mache has a great form that has been approved by the Minnesota Department of Education that we can use. That's very simple. The first year you start homeschooling, you do the initial intent to homeschool form. And then the following years, you just do the continuing to homeschool form. And so very easy to do by October 1st is the date you have to have that in. Yes. And so that's, that's one of the first requirements. And uh, secondly, they have some required subjects. Yes. That we need to study with our children. And those are, it sounds a little daunting when you read the whole list, but mm -hmm. honestly, they're not that overwhelming when you, um, because you can teach some of them to all your kids at the same time. But I could, right. I could read the list. Would that be helpful? Um, yeah, maybe let's just go ahead and read it off. And then we can talk about maybe even like, sometimes you can take these subjects and combine them. So okay. it doesn't feel like so many, but yeah, go ahead. Yes, exactly. Reading, writing, and literature would be your, your language arts uh, courses. Yeah. And then we have math, of course, and um, science, and then history. Um, well, really social studies, and that includes history, geography, economics, government, and citizenship. And those, you know, you wouldn't be teaching those every day necessarily. And they just need to be taught at some time. And not every year. Exactly, right. Yeah, yeah. there might be one year you focus on government and citizenship and another year that you really focus on geography. And geography can be tied into history so easily. Right. And oftentimes yeah. curriculum does tie those two together. Exactly. Right. And then fine arts is another requirement, which would be art or music. Mm -hmm. uh, or any even can be photography and graphic design. I mean, anything creative. Yeah. And then, of course, they, they have health and physical education as a requirement as well. Yeah. And so all of those are very doable. You use usually we teach um, our kids language arts and math individually because they're more skill based uh, courses that uh, our kids may not be at the same level, all of them. Right, right. And those are courses, I would say, like, I always said, the skill-based courses you do every day, just a little bit every day. I agree. Yes, that was okay. really important. And um, and so I would, I had to buy, you know, and most people will buy a separate curriculum for each child in the language arts and the math areas. Yes. And then otherwise, all the other subjects, you could typically teach your kids together as a family. Exactly. Yep. And a lot of a lot of homeschool curriculums like science curriculums, history curriculums assume that you're going to do that. And so they'll even like I know Apologia Science for elementary students, they will um, at the end of the module that you're reading to your, to your children, um, they will have like so if your child is older, they can do this for their assignment. And if they're kind of a medium skill base, maybe they're not a really good fluid reader yet they can do this one and if they're younger they can do this and so they give you suggestions of ways that you can combine the three different age groups and skill abilities and grade levels to be able to do the same lesson but have different applications 
Yes, exactly. And and mm-hmm. it's really fun to learn together as a family as well. And right. I know for history, we often, we would read the, maybe the hist- history um, book or whatever that was giving us the information of what happened, but then we'd also read historical fiction together. Yeah. made history come alive a lot more. And, and then science doing experiments together is, is a yeah. lot of fun as well. Once your kids get into high school, sometimes they need to work independently a little bit more in even those subjects. Yes. Depending on the ages of your other kids. But um, in the, for most of the years of homeschooling, you can learn as a family. Yeah. Yeah. And you learn a lot. Boy, I can't believe this stuff I didn't know. Isn't that true? It's no. so crazy. So <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I miss that part of homeschooling, but I still like learning. So I do it on my own. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing that Minnesota state law requires is that your children be tested every year. So can you speak to that a little bit, Chris? Yes. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. We are required to test our kids once they turn seven and we've started reporting them. And that would be your annual achievement test, such as the um, California achievement test or the Iowa basics test or Stanford, um, or some people use Peabody mm-hmm. or Woodcock Johnson. There's, there's a variety. And I, um, I have some information on my website and a blog about the, the most popular annual achievement tests that people like to use and the pros and cons of each. But um, they, they do require us to do the testing, but we don't have to turn in our results to the state. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And uh, unless um, there is, isn't there a, a little caveat that if your children test below yes. a certain percentage that then there needs to be something? An intervention. Yes. Yeah. So the 30th percentile, if across the board, your child tests below the 30th percentile or at the 30th percentile or below, you need to have them tested or evaluated for a learning disability. Um, It also says on HSLDA that if they're a year behind their peers, they should be tested. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's not to say that you can't continue homeschooling. That's just to make sure that you are you are aware um, of what it is that your child needs and that you're able to meet those needs. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that's, and that's something that's really, really, really important. It so. is. And when you do your annual um, reporting that you, when you report that you're homeschooling for the year, you usually have to write in which annual achievement test you plan to use. Right. And you can change that if you decide to, you just need to notify the school district. Okay. Yeah. And so Yeah. And so I didn't say that either, but the the uh, intent to homeschool form gets sent to your school district. Yeah. You, yeah. You bring it into the school district that you are required that you live in. Correct. Um, Which you need to check that because I just talked to somebody recently who their entire homeschooling, they've been um, reporting to one school district. And then when they went to go register their children for um, baseball, Mm -hmm. found out that no, you can't be in this school district because you're actually living in the other school district next in the next town over right? Um, because of the way that their property lines were drawn. They were actually closer to the one school district, but they actually are legally in the other school district. So check that out before you start, you know, <laughs> reporting. They're very strict about that too. So they really are. Yeah. You have to make sure, yeah, yeah. You have to make sure you get that taken care of, but right. Right. Um, yep. And then there's only two other laws that uh, I want to mention. Um, okay. One is, and probably should have started with this one, but the instructor qualification, the good news is if you're the parent, you can teach your own children, you're automatically qualified. Yep. If if someone other than the parent is the primary teacher, they have to either hold a valid Minnesota teaching license Mm -hmm. um, in the field and the grade taught, 
they, or they have to be directly supervised by a licensed teacher, or they have to complete a teacher competency exam um, or hold a baccalaureate degree. Right. So like, so basically if a grandmother wants to take on homeschooling her grandchildren, right. Those would be requirements that she would have to meet. Right. Yes. And you can, as a parent say, I would like to ask this person to teach this class. And I, I think you're still overseeing this right. thing. So it's okay to have a parent, a grandparent just teach a certain class without following all these recommendations. It would right. Be- but you need to be the primary teacher as a parent. Exactly. Yes. That, and then you're, then you've, you're um, following the law. But, yeah. And, and this doesn't like, if you take your children to like a co-op or something, obviously you're not doing all of their schooling at that co-op generally. So then you don't have to worry so much about that either. That that you're still the primary teacher. Exactly. As long as you're the over um, overseer of their of your child's education, then you are that that's makes you qualified to homeschool. Right. And then what was the second one? The second one is that you need to keep good records. And um, this is really a law that I think is across the board with most states. And by the good records, the, the things that you want to keep is obviously keep your intent to homeschool form in case they ever question that you really sent it in. Yes. Um, your class, you know, like your courses that you're using and what curriculum, I'm sorry, your courses you're studying and what curriculum you're using to study them. Mm-hmm. And then um, they recommend that you keep a copy of some of their work every quarter in every subject yeah. so that you have an, an example of what they've been working on. Yeah. And the nice thing about today is you can digitize all of that. And so you don't have to keep papers all over your house. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's so nice. So great. You can even yeah. take pictures of, of the work. You don't have to keep a big project. Just take a yep. No, I, it's wonderful. When we were homeschooling, man, I had to keep everything for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, after they all graduated, I just, you know, was able to sadly get rid of it all. But, you know, we didn't live it. We were moving nations, believe it or not. So I can't wow. take everything with us on an airplane. So there no, you go. Isn't that true? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Was- well, and in record keeping too, I do want to mention that if you homeschool into the high school years, you would be creating your students' transcript. And that's exactly that is a document that you will hold on to for the rest of their lives. In yes. The- you can store it in the clouds if you want to. There's no social security number written on it. So it's safe yeah. out there. And but it is an important document. And so in the high school years, any high school courses that are taken, you should keep that documentation for the full four years so you can put together a really good transcript for your student. Yep. And there are transcript, there's a transcript generator on the Mache website. Yes, there is. And, and so they just they also will do transcripts for you. But yeah, that one on Mache's website is very nice. Yeah. And easy to do. It really is. It is. They make it very simple, which is something that a lot of people just need. I mean, I I would have loved a transcript generator. Yeah. Yeah. So then let's talk a little bit about um, preparing your home. Okay. Yeah. Homeschooling. What does that look like for your homeschool day and just for your homeschool year? Right. I think it's important to uh, think through what you're going to need and one of the biggest things that I think I, I want to say, I did, I went and bought little desks, you know, those metal ones. And yeah, you don't need those. In fact, my kids didn't like them a bit. They were uncomfortable. Yeah. You don't need to imitate the public school and have a school room. Even you can do school at your kitchen table or on your couch in your living room. That's what we did. We did it uh, some at the dining room table and some just in the couch living room area. And it, it was cozy and nice. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times we would sit and 
cuddle up on the couch and read their um, the history and uh, yes. science information and just learn together and our our devotions, our Bible time every morning. That's what we did, and and it's very much more comfortable. And I think your children will determine where they enjoy learning too. But the big thing is to have good lighting and a place. Yes maybe a place uh, that's firm for them to write on when they're doing their handwriting or their creative writing and that sort of thing. And um, it's just helpful to have something solid on underneath their mm -hmm. But um, I think having a copy machine or a printer yeah. is a really valuable um, asset and tool for us as homeschoolers, because a lot of curriculum out there will ask you to, they'll have, uh, it'll be non-consumable and you can photocopy and, and print something for every child. Right. So that's yeah. an a, a investment I highly recommend. Yep. I use my copy machine daily. When I was homeschooling. <laughs> so did I, and I still do. <laughs> it's really. wonderful. It's a wonderful yes. thing. <laughs> and along those lines, I think a computer in these, this day and age is really important too. Uh, in mm -hmm you'll want to have protection on it so they can't access sites that they shouldn't. But yeah. there's going to be a need for that in every, practically every career. They need to know how to run a computer. Right. And, you know, and we're, we're actually having a podcast on that coming out next week on technology in the homeschool Great. and talking about safeguards and um, different things that are needed and th things that are available that I had no idea about that really help you with your homeschool day. Like, yeah. Anyway, we are going to take up time just teasing it a little bit, but that's good great. stuff. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing that. I think it's an important topic. Yeah, that's where we are now. With kids need to understand technology. We can't hide from it at all. Right. Yeah. I agree. So one of my thoughts too, I wanted to cover, talk about today that I think is important is is choosing curriculum. It can be so overwhelming. I don't know. Yeah. If it felt like that, Dale. It was. Yeah, I remember thinking. Um, when I first started, I didn't know, I, I had nobody to mentor me. I didn't know what I was doing. So I just called a, a curriculum company and had them send me first grade. Yes. And that's, and that was, I mean, not that it was bad curriculum, but it did not work for us. And it was horrible and hard and I hated it. And my daughter hated it. And it was, it was just awful. And then yeah. only because it just isn't us. And then I didn't know what to do the second year. So I had them send me second grade and I about a month into it, I thought, I can't do this. Yes, this sounds very familiar. I yeah. We decided two weeks before our daughter was going into first grade that we were homeschooling. And again, same thing, but yeah. all in one curriculum, it was, you know, give me first grade. And um, there was some of it I liked and a lot of busy work. That is yeah. one thing. It's really helpful to buy curriculum that's made for homeschoolers. If it's Yes. For a private school or a public school, it's going to have a lot more busy work in it. Just right. Well, because they need to keep 20 kids busy. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to do that in homeschooling. No, we don't. And <laughs> there's just a lot of uh, more, I don't know, there's just better ways to teach as well, besides just textbooks and workbooks. There's right field trips and there's, um, games actually games are a fun way for kids to learn and reading absolutely yeah reading stories to kids and um getting outside getting outside they learn from nature we yep. charlotte mason is an educator from back in the 1800s yeah. she recommends like doing nature walks every day with your kids and and then learning about the things that you find in nature that yep. during that walk yeah that's how that was the style of homeschooling that i did all the way through and i loved it 
I did too. A lot of that. And I like unit studies too, which is unit studies. Yeah. It's where a good way to combine a lot of things into one lesson. Exactly. Right. You're, you have a theme like history or science and everything you study is based on that theme and right. Really nice. Yeah. It's wonderful. I think I think you're right, though, Chris, getting curriculum that is written specifically for homeschooling families, but also that, that some curriculum is written by homeschooling families. Yes. right. Which is so great, you know, and it really takes into account that maybe you don't have resource like lots of money to buy all these different things. Yeah. You know? So here's things you can use around the house to make that happen or, you know. Right. And they, and. Honestly, you can homeschool very inexpensively by using absolutely a library. If you're, I know you homeschooled out of the country, but the library offers a lot of resources if you have access to a library and and the internet, of course. Now, and librarians love it when your kids. I mean, our little library um, that we went to, they loved having the homeschool kids there because it was during the days when nobody else was in there. Yeah. So it was so fun for them to have kids to talk to. And they always and then they started getting to the point where because we were using it so much, they would write to different homeschooling moms and say, let us know what you're looking for and we'll see if we can't order it and have it here for you guys. And, you know, they started working with us. And so don't don't underestimate your local library and the importance of like really building a relationship there. Yes, they are so helpful. And I yep. loved going there and picking books and um, I had to limit how many books they could take. Because I know, right? <laughs> I couldn't, I, we'd lose them otherwise, you know. I know. Or forget one, like for the next three weeks. And now you have to, you know, there goes my math curriculum. because Now I got to pay for this late fee. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> so but let's talk, a, let's talk a little bit about structuring our days. Like when you're, one of the things that you talked about with me earlier that I really liked was thinking through your schedule. What does that look like? Um, structuring your days and the amount of time you actually spend homeschooling. Yes. I think that's really important, especially if you have a large family, because uh, time can get away from you and you won't get accomplished all that you hope to. So I, I think it's important. First, you look at your curriculum and try to determine, you know, what, how much time do I need to spend on this every day or every week? Like mm -hmm. math, you know, probably will take kids, younger kids, um, less time than older kids, but um, each yes. subject will take a, a specific amount of time in a given day. So thinking through that and and thinking about which subjects your children might need help with and which they could do independently is also helpful. And then sort of making out a tentative plan for your day. Like I know for me, we started every day reading the Bible together and praying and, and um, just really focusing on the Lord first. And that made a huge difference yeah. in, in attitudes and everything for the day. That's preparing your home for homeschooling that day, right? Amen. In your heart. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then we would go, you know, into our math and our language arts. And because I have four kids, you know, I, I couldn't help all of them at the same time in subjects they had to work on, like math and language arts, because, again, they were at different levels. Sure. So I would have them do some things that they could do independently, like maybe a handwriting sheet or a, um, or maybe they would read their, their once they could read on their own, they would have some reading time while I worked with one of the other kids. And, mm -hmm. and um, we, we often started with our history though. And since we were already together, we would read history and then um, do a project or read a historical fiction, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And everybody does it differently. And that's something I think that's important to remember that 
what I did may not be what you want to did and what someone else would want to do. Right. It's, it's fun to hear what other people do, but you'll come up with your own plan that works for your family. I think the thing that's important to remember is that you make school work for you. You don't work for it. Yes. And, and so your family can revolve around your family and your school can also revolve around your family. So the nice, the, I think the best thing about homeschooling is the flexibility mm-hmm. to take time to really minister to the needs of our family. Yes. To really understand where our kids are and we can slow things down. We can speed things up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and not feel so tied to like, I got to finish this curriculum because you know what, in the public school, they don't go from cover to cover. No, they don't. And so my one friend who's a public school teacher told me, if you get through three quarters of the curriculum, you've already beaten a lot of what we can do in a year. Right. And, yeah. So, we, you know, so we just to, yeah, just to remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And I found too that younger children really need shorter teaching times and, and yes. more physical activity breaks in between so yes. they can get refocused. And it's really valuable to uh, take breaks and stretch and move because yeah. our brains need that. Yeah. And little kids need it even more than than we do as adults. But uh, there are some kids who are more active learners in general, and they right. may to play with something with their hands while you're reading uh, something to them and teaching uh, because they can't sit physically totally still. Yeah. I would get like coloring pages, uh, coloring books that worked with like whatever history we were studying and print off coloring pages for them that they could, while I was reading, they could sit and color a coloring page that went with whatever it was we were reading. It's a great idea. You know, which really was great. Mm -hmm. Um, I just wanted to um, talk a little bit too, just briefly about, um, you know, like when you're scheduling to keep in mind, like your children. So like, I love that you started out with history in the morning Mm -hmm. and then worked towards like, you wouldn't want to put math right away in the morning. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't want to put math right after lunch either. (laughs) Yeah. It depends on when your kids are the freshest, I think. Exactly. So thinking through like how much brain power do they need to do this? And let's make that like somewhere mid morning where after they've had a little snack and we've had some downtime and we've started off the morning a little slower, you know, give yourself a break and starting off slow in the morning instead of having to jump right into, you know, sex and math or whatever it is you're doing, Matthew C or something. <laughs> right. I think that's really helpful. And I, I think that, um, that your kids will let you know what what's working and what isn't. So that's one of the benefits too. And, and asking them too, you know, did you like this order of things? And, or even with kids that are more strong-willed, sometimes just saying, we're going to do math and science and history this morning. Which one would you like to start with? You know, and that can exactly. give them some empowerment and make them feel like they're having a little control in, in their it's life. It's framing the question in a way that you're letting them know what, what's going to happen, but they get to choose the, the order of it. And right. that gives them a little bit of autonomy, mm-hmm. which is what, really we're trying to do is give them autonomy. So when they get to high school Mm -hmm. and they're learning more, you know, they have to be more independent. Mm -hmm. Um, They can be more independent because they know how to order their day. Right. Or they're learning themselves a little bit. Yes. One of the things I did is I gave my kids weekly assignment sheets and that took me maybe an hour uh, on the weekend to put four of them together Mm -hmm. uh, that way. And then I covered it in you know, plastic cover sheets so that it didn't get damaged during the week. But they they knew then what was expected for the whole week. And I had a plan for the week as well. And then I used it for my record keeping. Yeah, that's so great. 
three, yeah, three good benefits of using it. It, it. it gave them more responsibility for getting done what was required for the week, gave me a plan and, and an opportunity for keeping records. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really good point, Chris, is that the more organized you can get ahead of the game, mm-hmm. the easier school will be for you. You ha- you can't just go into it just kind of, you know, like ordering your curriculum early so you have a chance to kind of really get familiar with it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Also, too, because there have been times when I've ordered curriculum and I'm like, this isn't going to work. Yes. And had to send it back and get something different. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, because it looks so good online and then I get it and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so starting to really think about those things and, and asking questions, you know, call Mache if you need to, or write to Mache and get somebody on the phone with you to kind of process through that with you. Yes. I think that's really helpful to have people to talk to. I think that's important to bring up is that we need support and um, other homeschool families to talk with or other homeschool parents. So being involved with a co-op or a support group is so important if you're a new homeschooler. Absolutely. And on, on our website, we have a, lo- a long list of good homeschool co-ops and support groups all over the state that you yes. can get information on. Right. And I think to remember that your kids need to hear from people other than just you. Yes. Um, they need to hear other people speaking into their lives and giving them that opportunity through a co-op or a support group is really important. Mm-hmm. And you or know. a grandparent or even, it, I also really encourage spouses or couples to work together as a team when yeah. you're educating their kids not it's not just mom's job. It's not just dad's job. It's both. Exactly. They need I agree. Both of us. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time today to to talk through this. And and I mean, there we could go on and on. And we oh, probably yeah. Chris will come back because she's she's got a wealth of of information. Let me tell you, <laughs> when it comes to homeschooling, I was looking at all the different topics that you've taught through the years at uh, Mache, and I was like, oh, my word, I'm going to have this woman on my podcast a lot. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, I, I just appreciate it. Oh, thank you. So anyways, well, thank you so much, Chris. And again, if you um, have any questions about starting your homeschool or maybe you're just in your first, second or third year and you're thinking this isn't really working for me, I don't know what to do. Don't give up yet. Get a hold of Mache. We can get a mentoring mom in touch with you who can really um, talk you through some things. And then also coming to the Mache Convention, May 19th and 20th in Rochester. Yes. I would love to plug that because, boy, there's just so much valuable information. And it's a time as a homeschool mom where they pour into you. And that doesn't happen very much as homeschool moms. We are constantly giving out to everybody around us in so many ways. And so that's one weekend where it's all about you. Yes. And, and you get, you, you know, you get to be ministered to. So I want to encourage you that if you can, even if it's just for the one day, come down and be a part of it. And, and, um, but if you can't, you know, please contact Mache because we would love to w- make this work for you and, and figure it out with you. There's a lot of resources. Yes. Well, thank you, Chris. You have a wonderful day. Enjoy this beautiful spring weather we're having. Thank you, Dale. You too. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.